Uh, morning, everyone. It's great to be with you all. Uh, great to be able to do this and great to be able to spend this week uh, focusing our thoughts on the Lord as we as we come into to celebrating his death and resurrection. Uh, let's pray as we start together. Father God, we're just aware of even though we have your word and, and your spirit of just how little we understand of the significance of what happened uh, in this week and, and the events particularly at the end with the death of your son and his resurrection. We, we can't get our minds around it. We can't get our hearts around it. Um, but Lord, we, we want to try. Uh, we want to give you this time uh, to, to focus our thoughts even more on Jesus himself and on what he came to do. And Lord, I pray that as we take this time uh, to, to focus, particularly at this strange time in our, uh, in our current history, we, we just pray uh, that we would glean something a, a little bit more um, of the significance of this incredible event that we celebrate each year and that we hope that won't become a, a ritual or a habit, but something that we, uh, we just long for and look forward to even if it is just so that we can focus more deeply on your son. So, Father, I pray you'd help us as we look at your word today and pray it would be an encouragement and a challenge to us as well. We pray this in the name of your son. Amen. I've been struck um, thinking this week and, and actually some of my thoughts the past year um, of how easy it is to read the Bible uh, and uh, get so caught up in in all the great stuff that's in there and not focus on Jesus. Um, and that's why this week is so fantastic to be able to focus our thoughts more and more on him. And then as we go through this week, that our thoughts should remain on him and on what he was coming to do. And we're going to look at this passage in Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 32, uh, where Jesus prays in Gethsemane. And we're not going to read it all at once. Uh, I'm going to read it in sections um, and we'll, we'll go through it as we go. So Mark 14, verse 32. They came to a place named Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And I think as we look at this first section, we see Jesus' priority. And it's interesting what his priority is, because his priority isn't the disciples' feelings, and his priority isn't his own comfort. And, I, and that struck me because we might be thinking, come on, Jesus, you know, these are your disciples who you love, and you know, they're feeling overwhelmed and, and they're clearly tired. Uh, you've just had this um, meal. You've had the, the, the supper uh, and sung this hymn. And Jesus has now predicted Peter's denial and their minds must have been all over the place. They need some comfort from you, Lord. They need you to sit them down and, and, to, and to share with them that it's all going to be OK. And don't don't you worry. And I'm sure that if we were in that position, that's what we would be wanting. We would be wanting some assurance. But Jesus doesn't do that. At least it's not recorded here. He also doesn't care about his own comfort. His priority is not his own comfort. We're not told he lingered at the meal. He didn't 
call for an extra piece of lamb or um or want to you know take take tea afterwards or you know or anything like that we would do we would linger over a meal wouldn't we and and especially if we knew something significant was coming we'd try and soak up these moments of, of comfort even when they get to the garden he doesn't go and find a comfortable place to sit and recline against a tree or or a meadow that we're told instead he comes and falls on his face Jesus isn't concerned with his own comfort. Jesus' priority in this moment is prayer. His priority is to commune with his father, as was his habit. And we, we, we know there's so many references throughout Jesus' ministry where he went alone, went to be alone with his father. So in this moment of trial, in this moment of difficulty, in this, I mean, really, of, this moment of epic historical significance, Jesus needs to be alone with his father. He doesn't need to be in a prayer circle with his friends. He doesn't need to be asking them uh, for all sorts of different things. And he doesn't need to surround himself with creature comforts. He needs to be with his father because that's where he gains his sustenance from. So that is Jesus' priority. Verse 35. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And it's this incredible scene of, of humanness, isn't it? Um, of, I mean, from, from verse 34, uh, my soul is, his soul is deeply grieved. Um, and then we're told that he, he falls on his face and he began to pray. Uh, quote from uh, from Ambrose he says this I not only do not think that there is any need of excuse so Jesus excuse for Jesus to um, for what he says about removing the cup but there is no instance in which I admire more his kindness and his majesty for he would not have done so much for me if I if he had not taken upon him my feelings he grieved for me who had no cause of grief for himself and laying aside the delights of the eternal Godhead, he experiences the affliction of my weakness. I boldly call it sorrow because I preach the cross for he took upon him, not the appearance, but the reality of incarnation. It was therefore necessary that he should experience grief, that he might overcome sorrow and not shut it out. For the praise of fortitude is not bestowed on those who are rather stupefied than pained by wounds. Jesus experienced these emotions and these feelings. He definitely was truly a man. And in here and in this, in this, in this heated emotional time, we see Jesus' passion. And Jesus' passion is to do his father's will. And that's something that we've seen throughout his ministry. That he, yeah, his priority is prayer and communing with the Lord, but his passion is God's will. Not my will, but yours be done. No matter what was going through his mind, and we could debate that, and it's been debated, um, the meaning of those verses before. But the reality is that not only did Jesus desire God's will, but he fulfilled God's will. That was his passion. Um, and we see it in, in so many different places in, in uh, John uh, chapter four, uh, verse 34. 
and you don't need to flick to these references. I'll just quickly read them to you. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John 6, verse 38, he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And then again in John chapter 14. We see another um, example uh, of Jesus' commitment uh, to God's will. And he says this in verse 30. I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the father, I do exactly as the father commanded me. Jesus' passion was to do the will of the father, no matter how he was feeling and, and what was going on at the time. And, and we're told that from the very beginning, you know, he set his face to Jerusalem and, and began this journey. He was resolute that he was going to complete his father's will. And he came and found them sleeping in verse 37. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And Jesus, having uh, being immersed in his priority and his passion, he's also preparing. He's preparing himself, but he, he tells his disciples to prepare as well. He says to them, keep watch and praying that you may not come into temptation. He wants them to prepare for what is to come. And we know what's to come, don't we? We know that, that Peter, his flesh would fail, that he would deny Christ. We know that as soon as the, the Judas brings the, the guards and Jesus starts to be taken away, the disciples flee. He tells them a time of trial is coming and you need to be prepared. You need to get yourself right. And, and, it's the, and, you know, and Jesus gives us that example in himself through his priorities where he prioritizes prayer he tells them you need to prioritize prayer as well because it will prepare you for what is to come and i think um it's a, a greater fulfillment of, of what we learn in job you know job didn't begin his relationship with the lord during the time of trial he began his relationship with the lord beforehand he was righteous beforehand. He followed the Lord beforehand and desired the things of God beforehand. So when he came to the time of trial, he was prepared. Same with Jesus. Maybe the reason he prioritized prayer so much was from the very beginning of his ministry of his life. He realized the more time he spent in prayer, the more time he spent with the Lord, the more he would be prepared um, to, to, for this time that would come for him to fulfill the will of his father. So Jesus shows us his priority in prayer and he shows us his passion in the will of God. And he tells us that we need to prepare. He tells the disciples they need to prepare. And he notice he doesn't tell them to do something he's not already doing himself. He is preparing. And I wonder, as they reflected on that time afterwards, um, I wonder how they felt about that. 
particularly those three that fell asleep repeatedly? Why did we not prepare better? And I think it's so easy for us um, to come out of a time of trial and think, why did I not pray more? Why did I not prepare myself beforehand? And we resolve that we're going to be better next time. So I hope these three things, this of Jesus, the priority, the passion and the preparation are things that can encourage us as we move on, as we look um, more at the person of Christ and our eyes fix on him as we come into what he will do in the next few days.